Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. And so for every month of February, when somebody posts a pancake-loving picture on social media and uses the hashtag PancakesForRoger or tags our social media um, accounts, um, Pancakes for Roger, on Instagram or on Facebook, then my company makes a donation to the University of Missouri School of Law Veterans Clinic in his honor. That was Susan Combs, founder of Pancakes for Roger, a New York-based nonprofit corporation that unites veterans with opportunities. And you will hear more from Susan and her colleague, Aaron Eckerberg, about his work helping sufferers of PTSD and more. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. We're members of Veterans for Peace. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This radio show and podcast is on stations across the country. Thanks to the Pacifica Radio Network. We're also on SoundCloud, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, and your phone podcast app. Just search Veterans for Peace. The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by you, the listener, because it is you that keeps Radio Free Nashville going. And as a result, this radio show is then picked up by the Pacifica Radio Network so that we are heard across the country. So if you think this is important, just go to RadioFreeNashville.org and click on the donate button and keep Harvey and I on the air in every time zone in the U.S. And if you support the work of Veterans for Peace, go to our site, VeteransForPeace.org. In contrast to many other shows, we're going to hopefully do something fun with this group. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk about pancakes. So, Susan, uh, why don't you get us going? Pancakes for Roger, uh, first of all. How did it start? Who's Roger? Why it's important? And why is February important? Gotcha. So, I mean, uh, Pancakes for Roger kind of, it. it's a movement, it's a book, it's a keynote speech, and it's a nonprofit. <laughs> so it's a lot of different things. But it started out with just a simple request from my father. My father um, ultimately died of Agent Orange-related throat cancer in 2018. And um, in 2018, I returned home to from New York City to King City, Missouri, a small town in northwest corner of Missouri, to help care for him when he was on hospice. And um, during the time when my dad was on hospice, he was on oxygen. He was also on a feeding tube. One morning when I went to get his t- tube feeding ready, he was sitting at the table with his placemat, his his you know plate, his silverware. He had set the table. And I looked at him and I said, what are you doing, dad? And he said, well, I want pancakes. And it broke my heart because it just wasn't in the cards. And I looked at him. I said, dad, you're on hospice. We have a DNR here on a feeding tube. And if I give you pancakes and you choke, we're done here. And I don't think we're quite ready to be done. And of course he wanted to fight me on it. He said, oh yes, I can. Um, He said, Matt said I could. And Matt was my brother that was a nurse and he wasn't there that morning. So I knew we were dealing with some confusion from some oxygen deprivation since his oxygen had gotten too low that night. And so you know, I, I heated up his tube feeding formula. I sat it on the table and he said, what's that? And I said, that's your syrup. And so he, his oxygen levels had kind of rallied around. He kind of understood and he shook his head and he said, okay. So a couple of weeks later, my father did uh, ultimately pass of Agent Orange related throat cancer. And I took one day off work when I came back to New York. And my husband said, why don't we go have some pancakes for your dad? And so we went to the diner. My husband took a picture. I relayed the, the message on social, social media. And I said, if you're so inclined, why don't you go have some pancakes for Roger? 
and remember all the little things in your life because our, all of our lives can change in the blink of an eye. And so it was just like a, you know, off the cuff story. Like I didn't expect anything from it. It was just, you know, sharing a little bit of uh, my broken heart and, and, and the journey as a caregiver with people. And then people started having pancakes. People started having pancakes. They started sending me pictures. They said, I can't have pancakes and not think about your dad. And so then what we decided to do is collect the pictures. And we focused on the month of February. It was my father's birthday was on February 22nd. And so for every month of February, when somebody posts a pancake loving picture on social media and uses the hashtag pancake for Roger or tags our social media um, accounts, um, Pancakes for Roger on Instagram or on Facebook, then my company makes a donation to the University of Missouri School of Law Veterans Clinic in his honor. So the Veterans Clinic um, provides free legal services for veterans and their families navigating the VA claims and appeals process, discharge upgrades, and a whole lot more. Um, they've they've been around, actually, they just celebrated their 10-year anniversary and they've just, they've done so much work and, and such great work. And a lot of times people think, oh, you have to be from Missouri to be able to take advantage of the clinic. And you don't, you just have to find them. And a lot of universities have these legal clinics and a lot of people don't know about it. Syracuse and the University of Missouri are known with having like the largest, most successful veterans clinics. But if you have listeners um, that are in say Michigan, they can reach out to the University of Michigan and see if they have a veterans clinic. So they might be able to get, um, get some help that way. So that's kind of how it started. And then, then I wrote a book and part of the proceeds of the book go to the veterans clinic. And then um, as of December, we incorporate as a nonprofit. And so we're going to be doing some other events and Aaron, uh, you know, Eckerberg is a dear friend of mine that actually he and I met at my father's funeral and he, my father um, served in three branches of the armed forces and he served 39 years and four months, but his first love, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. And so he was a combat helicopter pilot. He was in the purple foxes as what it was Aaron. And so Aaron came and he was the Marine Corps representative at my father's funeral in Missouri. And Aaron and I became fast friends and hit it off. And we've just been, you know, he's been such a great support system um, for me in the past five years. And so one of the things that that we're doing this year is we're actually running a couple of weightlifting competitions, one in New York and one in Kansas City. And then we're probably going to be doing a virtual one too um, this summer. And so because since we're a nonprofit now with Pancakes to Roger, we're taking it to the next level and we're building an endowment. And our mission is to unite veterans with funding opportunities to do good in their backyards and beyond. We're kind of excited about that. And over the next few years, as we build the endowment, we're going to be able to give grants, say, for example, uh, a veteran is a little league coach and they don't have any equipment and they need a little bit of help that way. Um, I eventually think we'll kind of do a soldier shark tank um, for um, veterans that want to start businesses and do kind of a pitch contest and be able to award some money because with grants, you don't have to pay them back. And there's a lot of great opportunities out there and there's a lot of you know loans that people can apply for, but the loans you always have to pay back. So I think that we're going to be able to make an even greater impact. And then we're going to be able to kind of you know, yes, we'll do the picture campaign every single February because it's just a lot of fun. Um, but then we're going to expand outwards as well. I mean, again, we're we're building the endowment fund. We've gotten uh, several sponsors already for this year. Uh, so that's just going to help. And I actually think we're going to be able to award a couple of grants this year. So we're pretty excited about that. We're starting small. We're being diligent. I'm a very type A person. I was a general, you know, general's daughter. Uh, so I tend to do things the right way. And I, I'm very methodical with it. So we're super excited on where things are going to lead. All right. Well, tell us about the book. So the book, um, so the book started, 
I, I do a lot of public speaking and I've always ended my talks with kind of unsolicited advice that have been kind of fun quotes that I've gotten along the way from people. And um, I had people after me for a long time to write a book. And so they said, hey, you know, let's see what you, you think about doing this. So I thought when I set out to write the book, my dad would be a chapter. I thought I would have different mentors, different lessons, be a chapter, give information about that person and then like let people know how you could plug and play. And then the general took over almost the entire book as he did a lot of things. And so, you know, the book is separated in four sections, self-love, family, and career. It's, you know, kind of a quick hit. I have people that come up to me and say, hey, I'm using this book as a, as a, a guide to raise a strong daughter. You know, I was taught that if you get good advice, it's your duty to share it with somebody else, because if it helped you, chances are it can help somebody else. I also recognize that I had a wonderful father, but not everybody does. And so this can be a little bit of a stand-in little, you know, the full name of the book is Pancakes or Roger, a mentorship guide for slaying dragons. And so slaying a dragon is just an obstacle. We all come through obstacles in our life. I mean, every single day. I mean, we have choices that we face. So kind of having this, uh, this book that's separated and organized in the way it is, it's kind of an easy way that you can just pick up, get a piece of advice. Maybe you can use it or maybe you just file it away for next time. Pancakes or Roger, a mentorship guide for slaying dragons. So part of the proceeds actually do go to the University of Missouri Veterans Clinic and it will in perpetuity as well. Okay. So one of your beneficiary is the Missouri Veterans Clinic. Yes. And um, I, I looked them up and they're really doing really good work. Can you tell us a little bit more about Veterans Clinic that you try to help out? Um, they, they've been around for 10 years. You don't have to be from Missouri or be a Mizzou grad um, to be able to benefit. If you're a veteran and say that you're having trouble with a VA claim. I mean, I, I bet you I get around 50 people that reach out to me each year and say, hey, my dad is a veteran. He, you know, he's been sick. I think we have a claim here, but I'm not quite sure what to do. They're great at kind of helping people navigate. So they give you people information. And if there's a case and they can help with, say, an appeal or putting in a claim or even, say, discharge upgrades. So say it's it's a more recent veteran that got out. They feel that maybe they were unfairly treated on something. Then um, they can kind of walk through things and help them with, with those type of things, too. But again, there's hundreds of veterans clinics all across the United States. So there might be one local to your area. You want to check with major universities first. I mean, if you have like a, you know, like a, a, a small school in your area, probably not. But think of those state schools, you know, the University of Tennessee, I think would be one to check out and see if they have a veterans clinic, you know, the University of Texas, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, University of Missouri, Syracuse. I mean, a lot of these have veterans clinics so that you can work with somebody local. But what they also do is, especially at the University of Missouri, is they are connected with attorneys all across the country. So that's why they don't have to say, oh, we can only do Missouri cases. They've helped friends of mine in Texas. They've helped friends of mine um, and colleagues of mine in, in New York um, because they have the resources uh, to do so. Aaron, what what can you add? Um, as far as Pancakes for Roger, I read the book. It's it's an amazing book. I, I bought several copies and I like to give it to people or suggest they buy it when dads have kids when they have their first kids. I, I can't think of a better book to raise a child, especially if you didn't come from a good family or don't have a good mentor mentor for raising a child. I, I can't imagine a better book to read after you have your first child. 
and kind of have some guidance on if you're getting ready to have a kid or you know somebody that's having a kid, I 100% recommend buying the book. Well, and Aaron too. I mean, Aaron's being pretty modest here um, because Aaron actually has has a clinic um, that helps people with PTSD. And so, um, and Aaron and I are working together on, on this weightlifting competition in Kansas City. His company is actually one of the sponsors. So he's supporting Pancakes to Roger as a, as a corporate sponsor as well. And Aaron has a pretty extensive career. So um, don't let him get off the hook without sharing about some of his stuff and the work he's doing for veterans. Okay, Aaron, uh, go back to- Sorry, that. Aaron, I added you. <laughs> so tell us about your work with regard to PTSD and- I work for a company called JLC Services Incorporated. Our big focus right now is technology called ETMS, which stands for EEG Guided Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation. It's a technology that's been around for a while. It's FDA approved to treat depression, migraines, and OCD. We've been using it for over a decade to treat PTSD, highly successful, but it's very expensive. So our partner company is the technology company. It's, it's a company called Wave Neuro. We hooked up with them. The, and what we do is we take their technology and we go to state legislators and get state funding, state grants to bring this highly expensive treatment, highly effective treatment to first responders, veterans and their families, you know, treatment that they, their insurance may or may not cover and that is financially out of reach for a lot of that, of that community. Very highly effective treatment. It's anywhere from 55 to 85% effective on reducing Symptoms of depression, anxiety, sleep disorder, concussions and post-concussion syndrome, migraines, OCD. But the big one for us is PTSD. How's it but work? Like I'm going to caveat this by saying I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I was a Marine helicopter pilot. So mm-hmm. basically what we do is we, we use an EEG to map your brain and we can tell what frequency your brain works best at. We tune the TMS machine to that frequency and the way we use the magnet it kind of opens up those neuro pathways where they're supposed to be. They get off over your lifetime because of trauma, right? Post-traumatic stress. What it does is it affects your brain waves. So we just use that magnet to get your brain, open up the neuro pathways, get your brain working back the way it's supposed to be. And we've only been doing it in Missouri for four months. And it's been awesome to see how it changes lives and, and actually saves lives. We've only been open four months and we've had two of our patients that have completed that told us they were committed to ending their own lives before they started treatment. It was kind of a last ditch effort. Um, so you can imagine that's super rewarding. You know, I don't want to get too personal, but did you go through it? I did. Yeah, I've been through it. My wife was a paramedic in Kansas City, high volume call center dispatch for 15 years. And she wouldn't be mad if I told you that this treatment saved her life. She was never committed to uh, ending her own life, but for a long time, she didn't care if she woke up the next day. And she had tried everything, talk therapy, SSRIs, anti-anxiety drugs. She tried everything and uh, it's, it saved her life. And it's probably saved our marriage. So she is now out of the fire department and works for JLC services also as a technician. So she gets to administer the treatment to first responders and help them too. It's, it's been very rewarding. Has the VA picked up on this? Obviously, the VA helps a lot of people, but it, it is a large bureaucratic operation. And so this is kind of cutting edge technology. So I'm sure someday they will. But we have intentionally stuck to state funding and stayed away from federal funding. Because it, 
federal funding, it just tends to get bogged down. So hopefully someday I see in the future where TMS treatment is a standard treatment for uh, veterans when they leave the service to kind of reset them before they get out into the civilian world. But that's maybe decades down the road. Okay. What states are you in? Right now we're in Ohio and Missouri. Uh, We're working with legislators in Virginia and Florida in depth right now. Uh, We've started talking to folks in Texas, Kansas, North Carolina. We would love to bring it to Kentucky, Tennessee. I know we got some big bases down around around your area, Fort Campbell. We have not reached out, but if any of them happen to hear your podcast today, I'd be more than uh, happy to have you give me a call. So I don't, I don't work on commission. I, I, I don't, if we get more States, it doesn't help me out financially. Um, I, I do this to help veterans. Yeah, so if anybody's uh, listening, give me a call. So <laughs> what, what is your contact? Um, probably the easiest way is you can look up either one of our websites. We have etmsohio.com or etmsmissouri.com. You can look up either one of those websites. And then I also, a number you can call in Missouri. It's 816-298-6092. So if there's any legislators in any state, give me a call. Like we, we, we would love to bring this technology to your state, your city. It's really good stuff. Well, I mean, Aaron and I are, are, are good friends. And so we t- tend to, we try to support each other with what, what we're doing. And um, he knows I have an affinity for, um, for veterans. So anything I can do to help him get the word out, just like he's good about helping get the word out for Pancakes or Roger and the Veterans Clinic and the work they do as well. I've okay. eaten a lot of pancakes over the last five years. <laughs> yes, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, because that's the thing. Um, last year we got... Um, yeah, but with the, with the pancakes, like uh, last year with our, our picture campaign, we got we got all 50 states, we got 24 additional countries and all seven continents. People sending you pictures about eating pancakes. Yep, exactly. So, and since we have the book too, we count that. So you have people that just pose for a picture with the book and we count that. And then if somebody takes a picture with the book and pancakes, we count that double. So it's kind of fun. And then since we're doing the um, the weightlifting competitions, we have shirts that people have purchased. So we're telling people that, that that's going to count triple. So if they do the, you know, the Dragon Slayer shirt, the book and pancakes, that's going to count as three pictures. So we're pretty excited about it. And then we actually, I have a friend that um, is also a University of Missouri uh, grad, and he purposely scheduled his vacation to Antarctica in February so that we can make sure to get Antarctica again for the second year in a row, because that's nearly an impossible continent to get, as you can imagine. For sure. Now, when you say count, explain that again, what you're talking about as far as. So the month of February for all the pancake loving pictures we get on social media, where they use the hashtag pancakes for Roger or they tag our Instagram or Facebook accounts, then my company um, makes a donation to the Veterans Clinic in my father's honor. Last year, I believe we donated about $7,500 to the clinic um, because of all the pictures that we got. And like I said, we hit, we got pictures that were represented in all 50 states, 24 additional countries and all seven continents. So that that's, our, we have a pretty high bar to make sure that we hit again next year. But I will say I have some friends that are Mormon and the Mormons seem to always come through for me because they have Mormons in every single state on their mission trips. So they they're usually good to to tap into and and help with pancakes. And then also, too, you know, my father was a civilian judge, but he was also a general. And I'm 
still connected to so many military friends and family. And uh, so we have people that are stationed all over the world. And so we've, you know, we've had Abu Dhabi, we've had Africa, we've had um, Mongolia, we've had a lot of cool places, Malaysia, um, that you usually get hit. And sometimes they have to be creative, right? Because pancakes are pretty much an American thing. So we've had people do kimchi pancakes. We've had people do um, scallion pancakes. We have people do crepes in, in France. And then we allow people to submit um, waffles because we call that pancakes with abs. How do you get the word out? How, how have you gotten the word out to all 50 states? I mean, just grassroots. It's just been entirely grassroots. So, you know, we'll call out states um, because we actually on our website, www.pancakesforroger.com, we keep track of everything. And so we'll have a map. We have a pancake map. So right now, the 2023 map is showing um, as of February 1st, that's going to be all cleared out. And um, and then we start at the, the beginning again. So when somebody uh, sends us a picture and they say, I'm from Missouri or I'm from Kansas or I'm from Colorado, then we have a little penny pancake um, that she goes on on those states as being represented. Um, this year, we're doing things a little bit differently because we do have sponsorship opportunities. So we have a Patriot level sponsorship opportunity for $100 if somebody wants to commit to sponsoring a state or a country or a continent for that matter. And they want to submit their their logo. We'll actually put it on on the state when the state has a pancake um, picture represented from there too, which is kind of fun. Excellent. And just to make sure you're going to be gathering funds and because you've set up a foundation and that is going to be a way for veterans to write up a grant for something that they might projects typically service projects so they want to yep service projects in their communities so like i said um you know we we haven't released grant applications yet um we're still building the endowment and we're still continuing to support the missouri uh, school of law veterans clinic so any of the the um the picture campaign right now so any of the pictures that we get all that money that we're collecting from the um the sponsorship and the donations um, are going to be represented in a donation to the clinic um, to further further their mission, they actually do an annual symposium for veterans too. They have different topics. I know they've done they've done brain injury, um, they've done you know sexual misconduct, they've done just different different things. You know, a lot of people talk about blue water, gray water, all that stuff um, that people are dealing with too. They always bring in speakers and do these symposiums nationally um, each year. So they do them in person, but then they also um, allow a virtual component too. And they have hundreds of veterans from all over the country that um, that participate too. Feel free to reach out to us. I mean, if if somebody's listening and they they know that there there's a situation with, say it's a veteran and they're just like, God, I'm not getting anywhere. I mean, Aaron and I both know the VA is great, but um, but there's a lot of bureaucracy and there's a lot of paperwork, and sometimes you just check the wrong box. So, you know, this is just kind of a, a help with that and understanding, um, you know, they have a, you know, a VSO, a retired VSO that's on staff now, and he's fantastic. And so he's great with talking with these men and women and just saying, hey, you know what, you're like, maybe somebody's doing all the right things and they just need somebody to say, hey, yeah, you're doing all the right things or say they're, they're having trouble and they're like, hey, I'm not sure what to do with this. I mean, we get a lot of people that are children of veterans and say a veteran is, you know, in the hospital or they're going through cancer treatment and they, and they just know that there's, there's something more that they can probably get. And, you know, I was told, you know, my, my father died of Asian orange related throat cancer and, you know, Aaron was a helicopter pilot. My dad was a helicopter pilot too. 
and, um, you know, ultimately gave his life for this country. Uh, another general that uh, his name is George White, very dear family friend to me and also an attorney. And he worked with my dad for many, many years. And he really guided me um, because I didn't know what I was doing. One week that I logged 14 hours on the phone to the VA, to Arlington, to the Department of Defense, to, you know, just trying to figure these things out. And, you know, one of the things that when my dad passed, George called me and he said, Susan, you got to make sure to put this, have it put on the death certificate that your dad died of Agent Orange related throat cancer. And because, you know, there's a lot of things and even my father had a claim, VA claim, and my, my father did well in his life and it wasn't putting in a claim so that he could get money. It was him helping set precedent for the other veterans that are coming after him. And and that was very important for my father. And because my dad's first VA claim, I'll tell you, was denied. Um, Because throat cancer, they said, did you smoke or drink, General Combs? Well, of course, everybody smoked and drank back then. But then Mm -hmm. we found out after my father had his first surgery at the Mayo Clinic um, in 2008, that five other helicopter pilots all had this cancer. And so it it was just too, too many coincidences for it not to be connected. So my father, since he had the legal mind, he knew how to write things for the VA, but not everybody has that benefit. My my dad was a general. He knew all the right people. He knew how to write the letters and things like that. And it still took him three years to get his claim paid. You know, on average, when you look at the VA website, it says on average claims take seven years to process. And I don't yeah. think I have to tell you that I, I think that's insane. You know, do you get claims paid sooner? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But if you can you know, help yourself out and connect you with people like a veterans clinic that can kind of help you through this process. You can cut down a lot of that time just because they know exactly what you should be doing. I got a quick thing to, to follow up on that. When, when I retired, I was a Lieutenant Colonel. You know, we had people at Leavenworth who put me in contact with the best uh, VSO at the Kansas City VA. And VSO um, stands for? Veteran service officer. They, I got an appointment with the best VSO handled my claim very professionally, very good. In a stark comparison, my, my wife was in the Navy. And when she got out as a young sailor, they just said, have a good rest of your life. And then when we met, she had no disability, even though she got out. She got medically uh, separated because she blew her knee out twice in the Navy. But she got no VA, VA benefits. So I was kind of her VSO. Like I took her down to the VA and she she spent 15 years not knowing she had benefits for serving our country. And I think that's important. Even older veterans, uh, we meet Vietnam veterans all the time who have never gone to the VA, who have never claimed any of their benefits. Some of them don't want anything to do with the country anymore, you know, um, but some of them just don't know they have benefits, uh, don't want to take the time to do it. They're worried about what what Susan was saying, checking the wrong box, or maybe they've tried to get benefits and it was just too hard. You know, they got busy lives, they got stuff going on. So I I think it's important for us to make sure the people that that sacrifice for our country get all the benefits they deserve. And the stuff they're doing at Mizzou is, is amazing. That was excellent. So what did the two of you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say because I just didn't know the right question to ask. I mean, I, I think for me, just eat some pancakes, right? Eat some pancakes, use the hashtag and you help a vet. I mean, you know, I have friends that are like, oh, my my son, I, I got a couple of text messages last week that um, people said, oh, my my son and my daughter said, oh, it, pancake month's coming, pancake month's coming. So it's just like, so they look forward to it. But it's also like, all it is, is a simple reminder to think about all the blessings you have in your life. 
there's something every single one of us could be grateful for. And it's just nice to just kind of stop and appreciate those little things. And so I get people to say, I can't even have pancakes now without thinking about your dad, thinking about service, thinking about all the great things I have in my life. And that's that's something that just, just makes me happy. I mean, my, my dad was one of those good guys that was good when nobody was watching. And all the stories that came out about the people he had helped and the mentorship he had done with his legal career, as well as his military career. I mean, it's just, it does my heart good. So I try to, you know, think about that because that's, that's the legacy I'd like to leave behind too. Aaron? I think the one thing I would say, we talked about all 50 states, 20 some countries, all the continents. I think this year we should try to get some uh, pancake pictures on amphibious ships in the Navy with some (laughs) Marines on them. And more importantly, That'd be cool. I'm thinking maybe a picture of some people eating pancakes in the back of a V-22 and the Purple Foxes. I think it's also important to, to note that uh, Roger was part of a legendary squadron in Vietnam. They re- they became legendary in Vietnam for during the Tet Offensive and the siege at Quezon. If, you, if people want to read up on that, it is... It is a very moving story. So before we end, give me your website again. So www.pancakesforroger.com. Okay. Aaron? We're just etmsmissouri.com. And Missouri is spelled out. All right. Very good. Now, we end with a song, but I'm not going to ask you two to sing. Thank God. Yes. And uh, so ring for him. We got that one. (laughs) (laughs) So what song should we finish up this segment with? You got to do the ring for him. Okay. To honor Roger, here is the Marine Corps hymn done by the Marine Corps band. Harvey was able to join for the second half of the show. Harvey, it was great to be able to discuss something good with Susan and Aaron. They're really doing a lot of good work supporting the veteran community. And I know I'm going to get some pancakes and send them a picture. And I also checked out ETMS that uh, Aaron was talking about, uh, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yeah, I think the VA does that. Well, they said that they haven't covered it yet. Oh, okay. But but and that's what Aaron was talking about. But according to the National Library of Medicine website, mm-hmm. uh, they said it has emerged over the past several decades as a non-invasive neuromodulation 
moot half oh, for goodness sake new yeah. modality huh a neuromodality okay all right for psychiatric <laughs> disorders including depression with mounting evidence for safety tolerability and efficacy in treating ptsd That's so right. what he was describing works and his program of trying to get states to support it is really important did they actually do this therapy his company actually does this oh wow really and his wife she used to be a paramedic and she went through it and now she actually performs the therapy on folks so Uh really important stuff there and it's too bad you missed the uh the discussion from susan because she was talking about all her work with pancakes for roger and how they support different causes but right now the veterans clinic at the university of missouri which helps veterans wade through the bureaucracy of the va when yeah. they're filling out forms and yeah. checking on eligibility and stuff. So yeah. really good stuff. Well, I really, I feel bad about not hanging in there. And When you actually listen to what we recorded, you'll see that uh, her request for a song was the Marine Corps hymn. Really? And so I was thinking about it, thinking about it. When we found out that the three military people were, were killed I thought, I'm going to find the most solemn copy of the Marine Corps hymn. So I started that off when they finished up. And I think we'll play the full thing at the end. But for the rest of the show, we just need to, you know, catch up with some of the things that have happened because we also have the world. So we had the good news of the ICJ coming down forcefully on Israel, saying that there is enough evidence that Israel is conducting a genocide that further investigation must proceed. And in the meantime, Israel must end the activities it is conducting related to the Palestinian people in Gaza that led to the genocide. Well, Israel's response, of course, and with perfect timing, to distract everybody is that they accused up to 12 employees of UNRWA, which is the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East of siding with Hamas. And the U.S. immediately cuts funding before it had a chance to exhale. And yet it can watch uh, watch the horror of the Israeli government on the people, uh, primarily women and children in Gaza, and there's no consideration of cutting that funding. Right. So it's obscene. It's really obscene. What's happening? Yes. Well, the ICJ I assume they're paying attention to what's going on right now because yeah. they put all these people on notice. They're just uh, going over and above, insulting and rejecting with what they're doing. Not only the the deaths in the first twenty four hours afterwards, but now these meetings in Tel Aviv or wherever people who uh, want to see how they can get settlements going in Gaza now. Oh, so yeah. It's like uh, the Sooners, you know. <laughs> going oh, into- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's the, the land is clear, so you rush in and you just your rush in, Claim something. You don't ask any questions about who was there before. They know who was there. No, that's right. I think the ICJ gave Israel like 30 days to... Yeah. They have Start to file fixing a report things. of what they've done. Yeah, and because Israel is not taking any steps backward, that's for sure. They're just defiant. 
Mm -hmm. And the U.S. is not saying anything. And they're being defiant because the U.S. helps them do whatever they want to do. I just wonder how long did Israel have this information about these so-called 12 employees of UNRWA? Because, I mean, the timing is just impeccable. Right. And it, it takes the attention away from the ICJ. Yep. So and it's all about Hamas and it's all about October 7th and and UNRWA is Hamas. Exactly. And and I didn't get a chance to look it up, but I think uh listening to Amy Goodman this morning, I think uh the, the guy from Norway Yeah, I heard c- him comes on. Yeah, and the UNRWA in Palestine or in Gaza has over ten thousand employees. Thirteen thousand just in Gaza. Okay. Over 30,000 if you count Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, West Bank, you know, all these places, Jerusalem, all these places where mm-hmm. Palestinians are, you know, in desperate straits, especially now. And so you have 12, 12 people that might have been involved with this thing with Hamas. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand... If you're working for the UN, you got to be non-political. But when you're working in that type of situation, in that environment, how can you not feel some sympathy for the Palestinian? And the people that work for them are Palestinians who live in Gaza. Yeah. They're going through all that themselves. It's got to generate a level of sympathy. I understand. Okay, you got your job. This is what you got to do to keep your job, to have your job. But sometimes you get to the point where you're just pushed over the edge. And their their complaint, a lot of them, the Israelis say, the problem is UNRWA fills their heads with all this crazy stuff about having some rights and say so about your own destiny in life. And that they're blaming UNRWA for poisoning their minds about that they should just be satisfied to be living under in occupation, horrendous subjugation, and with no freedom and no rights whatsoever. And then, of course, uh, we heard about the three military personnel killed over the weekend by who really knows. I know the initial report from Biden was that it was an Iranian backed group, but they have no evidence. And so I got a clip from Sagar and Crystal. With foreign policy today, just because of the tragic death of those service members. And unfortunately, Crystal, even worse, calls for war with Iran pervading the bipartisan consensus here in Washington. Yeah, that's exactly right. So let's start with that news, which is certainly the top story of the day with potentially massive and terrifying implications. Um, as I said, three U.S. troops killed and up to 34 injured in Jordan. This due to a so-called suicide drone strike that the Biden administration is linking to these Iranian-backed militias. I can read you from a little bit of this story. Um, Biden's response, he says, have no doubt we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. Iran's mission to the U.N. said in a statement that Tehran was not involved in the attack. Iran had no connection, had nothing to do with the attack on the U.S. base. According to that mission, they added there is a conflict between U.S. forces and resistance groups in the region which reciprocate retaliatory attacks. 
on the border here of um, Jordan and Syria. Apparently, this facility that was targeted is referred to as Tower 22, um, very, very close to that Jordan-Syria border. I mean, Sagar, there's so much to say about this. First of all, you know, anytime our service members are attacked in this region, I'm sure plenty of Americans are going, what are they even doing in this region? Like, (laughs) why are they even there to be sitting ducks for these types of attacks? Number two, sadly, this was entirely predictable result of Biden's policy vis-a-vis Israel. You know, you guys haven't heard that much about these in the news, even though you should have. There have been well over 150 of these types of attacks. And tragically, it was only a matter of time before one of the attacks broke through and claimed the lives of U.S service members. So there is no doubt in my mind, um, this is very likely linked directly to uh, the Biden administration's policy vis-a-vis Israel. Part of how we know that is because during the time when there was a brief ceasefire, these attacks completely stopped. And so it once again raises the question of what the hell are we doing here? Even if you don't care about the moral outrage of what is happening in Gaza, the Biden policy has put our service members at risk and is directly in contravention of our own national security interests. And to me, that's what is really underscored by these unbelievably tragic deaths and avoidable deaths in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm really outraged by this because it was so predictable. We're sitting here for weeks just saying, listen, it's only a matter of time. It only takes one. It only takes this. And then we see, you know, tit for tat. We go up, we go up. Something gets fired at a ship. And now, you know, this is a really horrible situation because these guys, by all accounts, were literally sleeping. So it was in the middle of the night and a suicide drone appears to have attacked their barracks because we also saw that the number of wounded rose significantly from yesterday. It's now stands at 34, but very likely to go even higher. Unfortunately, many of the men who were wounded actually remain in critical condition and had to be airlifted out of Jordan to a nearby hospital. That also reminds us of why are 3,000 American soldiers or service members in Jordan in the first place? The ostensible purpose of this base is part of the anti-ISIS mission. I mean, when's the last time that we heard anything about what was going on with U.S. operations in Syria and in ISIS? Don't forget that Bilal the fact that there are a number of U.S. troops in Syria, again, with no authorization from Congress, and they have been there now for years in near-permanent installations. There's a bigger defense question here, too, really, about the use of these suicide drones and U.S. air defense systems. There had long been promises, you know, and both to the troops and others, that we had adequate force protection for our service members who are so forward deployed in Syria and elsewhere, saying we had all of these advanced air defense systems that were in place to make sure that something like this would happen. Obviously, it completely failed in this regard, and now three of our service members are dead, and more than three dozen nearly have been wounded, some critically, who have been injured and are who knows, you know, what the prognosis remains for them. It is a bigger, you know, major strategic question about what are our service members 
doing here? Don't forget either, Crystal, in the initial statement, President Biden blamed Iranian-backed groups in Iraq and in Syria. So it raises questions there about what exact groups that these are, uh, whether they're in Iraq. Don't forget this. If we're going to respond, quote, hard and heavy or whatever it is that the uh, Lindsey Graham and all those want us to do, there is a very dangerous and diplomatic talk going on right now with Iraq. Many of the Iraqis do not want us to stay there. They're our troops, the Biden administration is fighting to make sure that our troops can remain inside of the country ostensibly for this anti-ISIS mission, more likely to do with you know forward posture against Iran. Regardless, this is going to affect that if there is some sort of major retaliation inside of Iraq, which very likely could invite domestic political pushback on top of who the hell knows what goes on in Syria. But what scares me more than anything is the total unwillingness to you know just throw caution to the wind right now amongst the Washington establishment, and you see direct calls, bipartisan calls right now, to strike Iranian territory, not to wipe out or even retaliate against these Iraqi and Syrian groups, but directly go to the source. And that's what we're seeing from all across the aisle immediately in the aftermath of the attack. Uh, The Republicans largely jumped in most aggressively. Um, of course, many of these same people use every, any and every excuse to push for war with Iran. Uh, you've got Senator John Cornyn, target Tehran. Lindsey Graham, hit Iran now, hit them hard. Tom Cotton, my statement following the Iran-backed attacks in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members and injured 25. Um, the TLDR there is also war with Iran. Tim Scott, enough is enough. Biden administration's appeasement of Iran must end. Time for clear and decisive action. Chuck Grassley, will President Biden finally take decisive action against Iran? Um, so, I mean, first of all, I think it's important to say a couple things about this. Like, obviously, this is psychotic. The idea that we should just jump into a full-scale war with Iran, uh, you know, is not something that the American people want. It is a disastrous absolutely insane idea that goes almost without saying. I also think it's worth noting, you know, the media always, it's almost like a verbal tick. They use this phrase like Iran-backed militias. And it is true. Obviously, they're they're linked, they're funded, there's, you know, affiliations there. But you can get the impression that they're just acting 100% as puppets of Iran and they're just doing like whatever their actions are. They're directed, mm-hmm. you know, directly from Tehran. And that is not the case. You can find the whole clip on breaking points on YouTube because yeah. uh, right. that's just that's just a partial of it. I don't think I heard it there, but later on, Sagar would say he'd, he'd put two and two together and get 10 because now we've lost 10 military personnel. We lost the two okay. SEALs. Yeah. We lost these three. And then last week or the week before, there was five killed in a training exercise yeah. that wouldn't have been in a training exercise if they hadn't have been there. Yeah, that was like off of Cyprus, I think. Yes. Which they've and, been using for transferring arms. Yeah. The UK and the US have used it. And so, like Crystal said, what in the world are they there for? And when they, they <laughs> did show a map, we got 30 bases or 30 facilities, 30 places where our young military people are going to sleep. Now, let me ask you this, because I don't know if you ever felt like a sitting duck on your carrier. <laughs> I can't say I, I, I ever felt like a sitting duck on the carrier for sure. But yeah, um, because sure you did out in the Mekong. Exactly. I mean, whenever we just it's sitting close or pulling into Chulai or Vung Tau or Da Nang and you see the tracers and, yeah. and the flares going up. 
and every once in a while a rocket and uh, with the history of my ship i just thought time out i never signed up for this i i joined the navy to avoid this and so i feel so terrible for those poor men and women that are on ground in their barracks going to sleep figuring you're safe and then all of a sudden this happens you're just the fate yes especially when we know from our perspective right here that they are actually not doing anything to protect us they're just they're just forwarding our an imperialist agenda or a hegemonic agenda or backing israel and Israel must be, Netanyahu must be licking his chops right now, thinking, all right, we got Americans killed. Now what's his next step? Well, I know he's going to be happy about this latest incident and the the tension, you know, going sky high between the U.S. and Iran. He's got to love that. And, And that is what is so scary that we need an adult in the room somehow or other. Yeah. And Biden... yeah, at, not blinking. Yeah, not blinking, and I'm hoping it's Biden. But I no, just think he's Biden. probably down in his bunker or wherever it is, or the planning room, and trying to go over all the scenarios to attack somebody out outside the Houthis. They're probably going to go back and attack the Houthis, but I'm just afraid that they're trying to figure out a response, and I just worry that. Like somebody said a long time ago, I knew Jack Kennedy and you're no Jack Kennedy <laughs> who would be who would be thinking of the bigger picture and what we might get into. Well, even uh, Reagan, you know, when Reagan sent all those Marines to Lebanon and they all got blown up, drove a truck into the thing and blew it up. Yeah. I don't know how many Marines were killed a lot. Uh, at least 30. Yeah. And uh, he didn't say... We will respond at a time. And he just said, we're getting out of here. This ain't worth it. I think it was Sager later on. He he would point out what Reagan did. Yeah. But I don't think Biden is even a Reagan. Well, those are the three things that happened of late. The ICJ, which is good. Then the UNRWA and and Hamas, which resulted in us cutting off funding. Countries have... Yeah, put put all payments on hold. What, what are they thinking? Yeah, I have no idea. Well, all I can think of is they're thinking, oh, they're only Muslims, or oh, they're only Palestinians, or mm. I can't help but go to the to the race card or the yeah the ethnic card because it's who who stopped funding stopped NATO. funding were the United States and the and the West and Western Europe, the NATO clique. The NATO click. Norway did not stop. No. So thank God for Norway. Yeah. So. Ireland did not stop. Anybody can donate to UNRWA. Oh. And what we need is a GoFundMe. Oh, that's right. For UNRWA. Maybe I need to if do that. Everybody who's been in these demos uh, all over the world sent, everybody sent 25 bucks to UNRWA. That would probably cover them for a while. I think there's an under website. It probably has a, a donate button. Yeah. Let me let me see what I can find here real quick. And yes, you can go to donate dot u n r w a 
org, and you can set yourself up with a donation. I set myself up with a $15 monthly donation to help where my government will not help. So there it is. They don't receive any of the actual UN funding. Yes. You know, and that brings up something. I wonder how many UNRWA employees have actually been killed. 150 some. Really? 50. So 150 of these UN employees have been killed, give or take. And because 12, maybe 12, I've also heard nine might have been working with Hamas. Then we're going to cut off funding, even though 150 have been killed by Israel. The hypocrisy is amazing. They said, you know, 13,000 employees. That's just Gaza. Yeah. UNRWA overall has over 30,000. And, uh, you know, they're all in the same boat. They have to have continuous funding and they can't do their jobs. And one thing that, you know, uh, Crystal pointed out is every time anything like this happens, the media picks it up and runs with it. And it's always escalation talk. No one ever says... Ooh, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. Maybe we better uh, try to work out something or communicate or come on, you know. We have to it's, be careful. This could be, mind us in a place we don't want to be in if we're not careful. Exactly. The media. And, you know, like she was pointing out, no, without evidence, but referring to this as the Iranian-backed group. And yeah. immediately I thought about any of the mainstream media. If you're talking about Cuba... It's always, or the authoritarian government of Cuba, mm-hmm. or the, the 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 socialist government of Venezuela. They always mm. have to come up with this, with some sort of adjective, which automatically puts them in a bad light for anybody listening. They can't just say Cuba or Venezuela. When it comes right down to it, Harvey, this this little escalation. We've got to realize, and people have got to think about this. You and I know we were involved. We couldn't, with all our firepower, we could not beat the home team. Right. And all they had, all they had was, uh, they they didn't have tanks. Maybe the NBA had tanks. But the Viet Cong, they didn't yeah. have tanks. They, no. they just had AK-47s and mortars. Yeah. And and pajamas. We couldn't beat yeah. a, a home Fair team point. in pajamas. And you know, Vietnam is not Iran. <laughs> Iraq is not Iran. Mm-hmm. Or Afghanistan is not Iran. Iran is a power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even the Houthis, you know, you know, responds by you could have called a ceasefire. That's what everyone in the world wants. And that that would have taken care of the Houthis because that's the only reason they were doing anything with the shipping, try to prevent a genocide in Gaza. But no, he had to, you know, flex his muscles and get the whatever they called it, Operation Prosperity Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can you talk about? How can you throw around words like prosperity? When the entire population of Gaza is starving. I know. 
I mean, how, how do you do that? And, you know, and uh, when he talks about the Houthis and our, our bombs, our bombing isn't, isn't working, mm-hmm. but we're going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I talked to somebody who uh, is in the military. Uh, he, they said, oh, I think the Houthis, they have like four uh, F-15s or something. That's their, I, well, that's more than the Taliban had. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's more that's than. what the, it's all about. That's more than the VC had. The the thing is, we are good at one thing: destruction, not winning. Destroy, you know. You can destroy a lot without having any gain. We we, you know, we bombed uh, every single two story or more structure in North Korea. You know, we were all out of targets. Everything had already been bombed, but we couldn't beat them. Yeah, at least we got a tie there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's going down the tubes pretty fast, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So we better leave it there. But I do want to thank Susan Combs and Aaron Eckerberg uh, for coming on the show. And let's just share their websites, pancakesforroger.com and etmsmissouri.com. And please go visit their websites and see the good stuff that they're doing. Uh, Also, we should share the UNRWA website, which is donate.unrwa.org. That's the website for donations. You can also check out the rest of their website to see the good work they're doing. And so, we will end again with the Marine Corps hymn in honor of Susan's dad and those 10 service people we have lost so far in the Middle East, whether they're Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, whatever. There might be trouble coming. So here's the Marine Corps hymn by the Marine Corps Band. Mm -hmm. 